This morning's reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, starting at verse 12 to 31, and can be found on page 724 of your Bibles. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord, or instructed him as his counsellor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge? Or showed him the path of understanding. Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offering. Before him all the nations are nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. To whom, then, will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know... Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, No sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength Not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. And increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is the word of the Lord. Let's uh, ask for God's help as we begin. Father, we pray that as we reflect on your character this morning, that you would, by your Spirit, help us to grasp 
your incomparable power so that we may trust you to give us strength when we are weary. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, with the arrival of electric cars has come the arrival of a new phrase in our English language. Um, You may have heard of it. It's that phrase, range anxiety. Range anxiety, in case you're not aware, is that fear that comes that I'm not going to have enough power to complete my journey. Uh, Maybe you worry about whether there's a charging point or whether someone's parked in the charging point to get their groceries or whether the charging point is working. And the concern comes that I'm going to be stranded on the side of the road with two tons of metal and no means of charging it. Now, my point today is not to put us off buying electric cars, far from it, Uh, but my point is to speak about another type of range anxiety. Uh, You might say a spiritual range anxiety. Uh, This range anxiety doesn't come from the fear of not having enough electricity, but doubting whether the Lord has enough power to get me over the line. See, much of what God promises us today lies in the future for its completion. God has promised to give us eternal life. But of course, there's death. God has promised to renew our world so that there'll be no more tears or mourning or crying or pain. And yet, we're not there yet. And all the time we're not yet there, there will be those moments on the journey where we ask ourselves, has God got the power to get us there? Can I trust him to give me eternal life when death feels so final? Can I trust him to forgive me, like he promises, when my world and my life feels so messed up? See, that's what I want to talk about this morning, not range anxiety coming from a car, but spiritual range anxiety, that worry that God hasn't got the power to get me to the destination. It's where the people in our passage find themselves this morning. Um, We're diving in halfway through the book of Isaiah, and uh, it's written 700 years almost, uh, a bit more than that, uh, before Jesus' birth. And this is a group of people who are experiencing spiritual range anxiety. At this point, they are the remains of what was the nation of Israel, God's chosen nation. Uh, But at this point, they're right down to the minimum. Uh, Isaiah describes them like a tree stump, only a couple of centimeters high. That's all that's left of this mighty tree that was Israel. But to this little tree stump of people, God has made some incredible promises. Um, I wonder if you could turn back with me, um, there's a little bit of page flicking, to page 686. It's Isaiah chapter 2, 686. I love the sound of rustling. I'll wait until it's finished. 
It's so encouraging when you're preaching and you can hear that sort of faint rustle. It's wonderful. Um, 686. Um, Have a look at chapter 2, verse 2. Here's what God promises. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. This is Jerusalem. It will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised up above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. But coming back to Isaiah chapter 40, the situation couldn't be any different, could it? See, God has made these incredible promises, and yet here is a tree stump of people wondering how they can be fulfilled. And not only that, things are going to get bad, uh, go from bad to, to worse uh, because they have a, a, an enemy that is on the rise. Uh, have a look uh, back at uh, chapter 39, just over the page here. Chapter 39, verse 6. And here, the prophet Isaiah talks about Babylon. And this is what he says in verse 6. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Do you see the point here? God has promised an incredible future where his people will be lifted up and the whole world will go to gather with him. And yet here is this tree stump of people about to be utterly crushed by Babylon. And so you can understand, can't you, them asking this question, how on earth can God do this? How is he able to transform my circumstances in this way? And I hope as we look at Isaiah's answer, that's going to help us because I'm sure that is a question you and me ask. I know it's one I do. Is he able to get me through this? Is he able to get me over the finish line? Now, how does Isaiah answer this question? Well, he shows us God is incomparable. We're going to see that God is the incomparable creator that God is the incomparable ruler, and so, therefore, he is able to renew you. So, first of all, God is the incomparable creator. We're all used to looking at what someone has done to judge whether they can do the same again. Uh, This week, I've needed a plumber, and uh, I've looked at all the reviews of the plumber I looked at to see what the people said about him, so that I could trust that he could do the work this week. Don't worry, it's nothing major. But, uh, or if we're hiring a wedding photographer, uh, we may look at their previous work, the photos of other wedding couples, to assume that they'll do the same for us if we hire them. And it's a similar principle going on here. As I answers that question, is God able to do this, by pointing back to what he's done before. What has God done? Well, look at verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? 
or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills on a balance? Isaiah rolls the clock back to the beginning of creation. And God is presented here as a a master craftsman measuring out the earth and all that's in it. But except he doesn't use a tape measure, he uses his own self. The world's oceans are measured in that little hollow that is in your hand. The mountain ranges of the Alps or the Himalayas are measured on his digital scales. Or the dust or or, or the, the ground beneath us, well, it's held in his basket. See, God doesn't, he's not like us. He, he is so much bigger than us, that is a complete understatement, but he is able, because of his size, to, to measure the waters of the earth with his hand, with his kitchen scales, he's able to measure the mountains. But it's not just this world he creates, he creates the universe around it. Have a look at verse 26, where Isaiah says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. The stars um, are described like an army, a, a starry host. And the call in there, it's, a, it's the idea of a kind of military commander calling out these stars one by one like troops, each perfectly positioned each in perfect balance with one another. I was watching, um, I don't know if you've seen it, the uh, Netflix documentary on the James Webb telescope. Anyone seen it? Or am I just the um, slightly nerdy one here? Uh, But uh, the James Webb telescope, if you don't know, uh, was launched a few years ago. It's, It's been about 20 years in the making. And it's there to kind of replace the Hubble telescope. Um, The Hubble telescope has achieved some amazing things, but it can only pick up really visual light, where the James Webb telescope uh, can pick up uh, infrared light and uh, therefore is able to peer further into the universe. Um, You astrophysicists can tell me where I've got all that wrong afterwards. But here's a picture of it. It's this incredible telescope. And um, they released, uh, after its launch, a picture um, I'm told that this is um, the equivalent of lifting up a, a grain of sand in your fingers uh, at arm's length and looking in the sky. So it's a utterly tiny patch of the universe. And yet in this picture, we're seeing light that has taken 12 billion light years to get to us. Um, you'll see the red patches down in the bottom left-hand corner. Maybe you don't. Uh, but that is uh, calculated at 12 billion light years from us. Now, you'll know light is the fastest thing we can imagine. Uh, it travels around the Earth's circumference at seven and a half times a second. So imagine how far light can travel in a minute or an hour or a day or a week. 
or a month or even a year. And then imagine that 12 billion times. And this is just one of the first snaps of the James Webb Telescope. And Isaiah says that God has called each one of those stars out by name. And every single one of the billions upon billions that we've not yet looked at. Now, you might be here today and you, you wondered to yourself, do we really still believe in the idea that God has created the universe? Um, perhaps you've heard that it was all because of the Big Bang. And um, the Big Bang might be the, the process that it was brought about, but it doesn't really answer the question how it was brought about. What caused this universe, this unimaginable complexity around us, with its sheer size, precise order, astounding beauty, to appear? Was it a spark from nothing? Or is it, as the Bible says, God in his incomparable power created it? See, I would argue that actually it takes much more faith and you have to suspend belief much more to say that actually God didn't create it, that it came from nothing. But coming back to the big point here, as I write this, not just to raise questions about the universe, but to provide us comfort. See, remember, these are people with spiritual range anxiety. They're wondering whether God has got the power to get them over the line. And God says, remember who I am. God is not just a slightly bigger version of ourselves. God is not someone we can imagine in our heads. See, God is incomparably and indescribably powerful. And if you ever for a moment doubt that, Isaiah says, just look to the stars. I think it off the back of this. That would be a great picture just to put above my desk and just to remind myself every day when I get a bit worried, when I wonder what's around the corner, just to remind myself, this is the God who is with me. But there's a second way Isaiah shows us that God is able to deliver on his promises, as we see here that God is the incomparable ruler. Isaiah is aware that there are good reasons for these people to be experiencing range anxiety. It's not only that their situation is pretty bleak, but actually they face enemies that seem insurmountable. Uh, this uh, remnant of people, this tree stump, as I say, are about to face the might of Babylon. And Babylon was the China of its day. It was a, a rising superpower that would go on to crush its opponents like a fly. And it seemed almost comical to say that great nations like this would stream to this little tree stump of a people. But look at what Isaiah says about those nations. Look at verse 15. He says, surely 
the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Yes, he says, these nations are big, no denying, but compared to God, well, they're nothing. Compared to God, the, the might of Babylon or the combined military might of Russia and China and the USA, well, they're like a few molecules of H2O dropping into an oil drum of water. I've got a great demonstration of this. Yesterday I was um, making bread um, in a um, bread maker, so I'm not that clever. Uh, But uh, I was getting the ingredients together, and as I did, I noticed that on the scales I'd spilt some flour, and so if I was to measure anything else, well, I needed to wipe the flour off. And, And what I did, I just walked over to the sink, got a cloth, and just wiped it off. And God says that actually the nations, Vladimir Putin, with all his proud boasts, Kim Jong-un, any military might, is as much of a challenge for God as me in the kitchen wiping the flour from the kitchen scales. See, God is not just a slightly stronger version of me. He's not someone out of a Marvel film. He is incomparable in his rule. Look at what Isaiah says in verse 22. He says, God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. Uh, The circle of the earth there is the sky, with the kind of half circle we see, and God is not his throne is not on earth, it's not in the heavens, it's above the heavens, looking down. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you, you look out the window on a flight, I, I love doing this, and you look down and all the cars just seem kind of like toys. It's almost unreal how small they are. I mean, if you can barely make out people, well, they're utterly tiny. And God says that actually... Looking down on these military nations are like looking down from a plane window, like grasshoppers, bugs you can barely see on stalks of grain. See, God is the incomparable ruler. Now, I get that our fears today aren't really coming from oppressive rulers, although for many Christians in the world, that will be the case. But we still have our enemies, don't we? We still face the enemy of death. An enemy that just seems so powerful if we've ever been to a funeral. Or we look at our enemy of sin. Just seems unconquerable, if that's a word. Our constant tendency to stray from God's path. And the thing is, you're right, those enemies are too big for you. They're too big for me. But the thing is, they're not too big for God. God looks on death like a grasshopper. He looks on our sin as dust on the scales. God is the incomparable creator. God is the incomparable ruler. But there's one more question as I answers here. 
to the people's range anxiety. See, thirdly, we see, and finally, in a bit shorter, that God will renew you. See, I don't know how you feel about this, but, but it's one thing, isn't it, to, to feel that God's big and powerful, but why does that help me? How does God being vast and great affect little old me? But look at what Isaiah says in verse 29. He says, God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. See, God uses his incomparable power in creation, in his rule, to benefit his people. See, many religions, Christianity is not unique in this, many religions have a big God, but God is so big and so vast that people struggle to understand why he'd be interested in their lives. And other religions will have many gods all involved in different aspects of my life, but neither God is very powerful to govern every eventuality and every circumstance. But only in the Bible do we see God who is immense in power, yet humbles himself to be unimaginably near to his people. And that is, of course, what we see over 700 years later as Jesus comes, born as a baby, but yet called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And this baby became a man and demonstrated unimaginable power. He healed the sick with a touch. He opened the eyes of the blind. He calmed the tempest of the storm, prompting the disciples to ask, who is this? And yet, for all his power, he humbled himself to comfort the broken, to be with the weak, and ultimately, in his humility, in going to the cross, he gave himself for his people. He gave himself in his power, in his rule, to deliver you and me. So that we can say in verse 29, God has given us strength and us given us, has given us power. See, the people in Isaiah's day are experiencing the range anxiety and they look at the impossibility of their circumstances. They look at the vastness of the enemy and they think to themselves, can God really help? But he can. And Isaiah makes a promise in verse 31 that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Notice what the promise is not. It's not just you're going to hang in there and and, and kind of carry along. It's you're going to fly like an eagle. You're going to run. You're going to walk. And as I says, trust in the Lord. Hope on him for that. Hope here. It doesn't mean a kind of vague optimism. The way we might say, I hope England wins the World Cup today, knowing, I'm not going to comment, but uh, it's not likely. 
It means to put our full weight on God, knowing that he can be trusted. It means putting all my eggs in the basket, setting my whole life around him. doesn't mean going through life, pretending situations don't hurt, or minimizing the greatness of the problems we face. But it does mean having a confidence that comes from knowing that God is incomparably powerful. He can deliver his promises. He can get us to the finish line. And the question for all of us is, will we wait on him? Will we walk with him? Will we trust him? Now, maybe you're here this morning and you wouldn't say that you're in that place. And let me just say, we we love having people coming into this church to, to look into the Christian faith. So you're very welcome this morning. But I guess the question for you is, what do I make of this God? Perhaps we've got lots of questions, understandably, but, but what do I think made this universe around me? What do I think made me? And if it is the God of the Bible, is that not worth exploring? And please do chat to a neighbor about how you can do that. But for those of us who are, are we waiting on him? When the range anxiety kicks in, do we look at our circumstances Or do, as Isaiah says, look to the sky. Look to the God who is above the heavens. Perhaps we should all take up astronomy, looking at our telescopes and remind ourselves of how big God is. Or take up baking to um, get the flour on the scales. You know what I mean. You know, I'm sure you've got better ideas than that. But anything that encourages us to, to remind ourselves of who God is. And we as a whole church want to do that as well. Perhaps when we're presented with a friend who is really up against it, going through things, can we remind them of who God is? It'd be great to chew that over, over tea and coffee afterwards. But we've seen this morning, God is the incomparable creator. God is the incomparable ruler. And that God will renew you. Let's pray. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. We pray, our Father, that you would help us to grasp the vastness of your power and rule so that we would be those, Father, who wait on you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.